Hello, everybody. Welcome back into your latest episode of Locked on Suns, a Locked on Podcast Network. My name is always Evan Sider. I'm joined by co-host Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at East Sider. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at BrendanClean14. You can also follow our Locked on Suns true page. If you're not already at Locked on PHX Suns, your support over there is very much appreciated as always. And we're joining you guys today for a Friday episode. Talk a little bit of a, of a news roundup here. Going to go over multiple topics here over the next few minutes for everyone. We wanted to hit on first the random news bomb that dropped Wednesday morning, Brennan. Just really caught me off guard and certainly caught you off guard, I imagine, was Larry Fitzgerald is not a part owner of the Phoenix Suns. So what was your instant reaction to that? Surprise, I think, as you noted, and probably what a lot of people listening felt, just uh, felt more than anything random in terms of timing. And, you know, I think anyone who's been at the arena or followed this organization for any amount of time knows that Larry Fitzgerald has a a connection, a friendship, a professional kind of mentorship relationship with Suns owner Robert Sarver. We know that Fitzgerald was at Murray State, or I guess not at the school, but at the OVC tournament last year to scout Murray State when John Morant was in consideration for the Suns draft pick last June and that Fitzgerald sat in on on interviews while they were hiring or looking to hire the person that eventually became Jeff Bauer. So obviously Fitzgerald has been involved in this organization in various ways for a while, um, but a Wednesday morning in January is a bizarre time to have the news hit, especially after the reporting later on from I believe Jim Trotter, is that his name, of the NFL.com, who said that this offer had been up two fits for two years from Sarver. So, uh, yeah, not surprising that it happened, but surprising kind of the timing and, and still a lot of questions as to what it really means in the in the big scheme of things for the team. You know, I was thinking as far as timing goes, and I'm certain just, just maybe this is just ironic or maybe it's not, but that Larry Fitzgerald had got a new contract again, and I think it's around $13 million. And a couple weeks later now, he's now partner of the Phoenix Suns. So I think it's a $10 million minimum is from what I heard from John Gamadoro about as far as the minimum buy-in to be a part owner there. So it's a lot of money to fork over there from Fitz for sure. Yeah, well, I think obviously he wanted – it would have been weird to have the decision come before his decision to return to the Cardinals. So obviously that was one box to check and – it's only been a little bit of time since then, but just from, I guess, from an NFL calendar standpoint, it makes a little more sense, especially with this time between the Super Bowl or the, the championship games and the Super Bowl in, in the NFL, where this news was going to be able to actually make a little bit of, of the rounds and obviously as well, just with Fitz getting his things cleared up, just from the NBA calendar perspective, it, it was a little random and the team not making Fitz, Fitzgerald uh available to the media or anything like that it it did kind of feel like even yesterday it kind of came and went so we wanted to dedicate some time to it today but um i'm still just curious i know gambadoro said gambo said that basically from what he understands and he he did note that minority owners in phoenix already i guess have a little bit more prevalence in the day-to-day than most teams I, i don't I don't really have any basis for what most teams use these guys for. I know the Suns have, I think, three other part owners listed in their staff directory page on their website, and Larry will become the fourth. So 
I'm curious what exactly his role will be. I know that, you know, a lot of teams will use guys like this to, to host, not host, but to sit in on meetings, be part of the, you know, free agency and hiring process to be kind of out in the community as an ambassador for the franchise. I think he'll be all of those things. It's just going to be fascinating to see what shape it takes and, and how, what the magnitude is of his involvement. Maybe this is just my hunch here, but, um, from the last couple of years, Brian, I mean, we haven't been surprised by this news, honestly, because Larry Fitzgerald has been around the organization so much over the past two or three years. And especially in, uh, I think, a random way is that he's gone on two scouting trips with the Suns front office as going to see DeAndre Ayton in 2018, Robert Sarver in their front office, and then in 2019, going to Evansville, Indiana for the OBC tournament to go see John Moran play, all, including Larry Fitzgerald, which I found just so intriguing to me. Maybe it's something like that, and also maybe just like a leadership role as far as like if Booker needs advice or Aiden needs advice, you just go to Larry Fitzgerald. But I just found it so odd that Fitzgerald's been involved in that kind of aspect. Yeah, well, you know, I think that to that degree, I think it, it sort of is what it is. I, I would guess that maybe that does continue. I think to me, I've always sort of just took taken that over time to really just mean that it's a trusted confidant of Robert Sarver, and I really, we have no reason to believe that Fitz has any say in basketball decisions. Oh, no way, yeah. So, you know, I know it's not a great look necessarily just because it is so kind of out of the ordinary for what other teams do, but uh, I think that, you know, if it was anyone else, if it was some random local businessman that wasn't named Larry Fitzgerald, and it was just the guy Robert Sarver brought to all this stuff, it would be a little less uh, noteworthy. So we'll see. I, I think he'll still be in that type of um, role. I think he, you know, like I said, with people who have been to the arena, this is a guy who sits next to Sarver at, I would say, 75% of home games. So to me, the involvement's already been there. And to give people a little bit more here too, Monty Williams was asked about it, said that he went to, a party, get uh, a, a gathering at Fitzgerald's home uh, right after he was hired, kind of some point early in the summer. He said Fitzgerald wasn't involved with his hiring process, wasn't in any of those, which, as people will remember, all happened in Toronto and Philadelphia during the playoff series between those two teams in, in the second round last year. So Fitz going would have been kind of hard to pull off anyway, but he has been in meetings that Monty's attended since then, you know, over the summer, just kind of maybe bigger picture franchise stuff, not so much like meeting with Dario Saric when they traded for him, but, you know, head coaches will sit in on, on business meetings and things like that too. So uh, I think we're now starting to learn that this guy was really probably in a similar role to what he will be already, and now it's just sort of official. Just from an Arizona standpoint, before we close out this segment, Brian, just it feels kind of cool. I know I'm an outsider here. I'm from Indiana, but you grew up here in Arizona. I know our listeners are mostly based here in Arizona, but Fitzgerald means so much to the city and the state and for him to be involved in another aspect like this, I think is pretty cool. It's awesome. I mean, yeah, it's, it's such a unique thing because Fitz became the second active NFL player to be, to have an ownership stake in an NBA team with Aaron Rodgers, who owns part of the Bucks. And just considering those guys up against one another, it is kind of almost disappointing that Fitz just isn't thought of in the same way that a guy like Aaron Rodgers is. I know he's a quarterback and 
quarterbacks are going to get more shine in that way. But uh, I hope this this kind of next phase for Fitz, whatever it is, uh, at the end of his football career here and then into the post-football, whatever he does in, in that era of his life, I hope that it gets him a little bit more recognition for what he's meant to this town and for what he meant to football. I mean, I, I, one thing that I, I think I want to close with would just be to Devin Booker talked about it as well at shoot around yesterday and, um, you know, take it with a grain of salt if you'd like to, but said that he really looked up to Fitzgerald for what it means to dedicate your career to one city and to handle yourself with so much poise on and off the, the field of play that he was a, a, a person that Booker admired from afar as a, a kid growing up when Fitz was starting out in the league and getting to meet him and, and grow closer to him playing in Phoenix together. Um, it, I think that's where you really start to see that the impact could be pretty big for not only athletes, but you, not, not many people in this town mean more, uh, I think, to the community than Larry Fitzgerald. And so that's one aspect where the word Monty Williams used was credibility. I think it could go a long way in that regard. Totally agree with you there. And Larry Fitzgerald, as you guys all know, is coming back for another season with the Arizona Cardinals. So him and Kyler Murray will be having a lot of fun next year in their offense. But it's cool that Fitzgerald's also be involved with the Phoenix Suns in some way. So very random news on a Wednesday afternoon to break, but also a very cool one in my opinion. And I, I imagine you agree as well, Burnham. But we're going to go on here to our next segment. And we're, before we do that, we wanted to dive into our sponsor. And today's sponsor is from MyBookie. Are you the type of fan in this football so that you can choose any game and call it? Well, MyBookie is the place for you because it lets you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and get on the action with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet, bet a little, win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing, go to MyBookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win than they do. If you're tired of watching games from the couch and nothing to gain, MyBookie wants you to get your mind off everything else and back into the game. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 of free money to play with. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Once again, it's promo code LOCKEDON to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today and you play, you win, and you get paid. Today's show also brought to you by the Arizona Office of Tourism. This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for the Cactus League. Between amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventures, and incredible food, Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. If you do decide to come take advantage of all there is going on this spring in the Valley, you'll have 10 stadiums all within 50 miles of one another, housing 15 MLB teams. So half the league descends upon the Valley, plays all day every day for about a month, and uh, you can take advantage of it really any time of the spring, any time of day, whatever works with your calendar and whatever works with your kind of lifestyle. So we have things to do for the children. If you want to bring them along, family-friendly resorts in town, science museums, aquariums, things to do for the children when you're not uh, at the games. You can also take advantage of, of the music and food and entertainment going on that the league and teams do a good job of bringing in to cap off a night after a, a, a game or uh, even before a game if you go to a later one. You can also drive just outside town and check off really a number of things from your bucket list. That's like the Grand Canyon, Monument Valley, Horseshoe Bend, even Tucson or Flagstaff, some of the bigger towns on the borders of our state. 
to take advantage of this incredible baseball and incredible entertainment all throughout the Valley this spring, go to visitarizona.com slash spring training. Again, that's visitarizona.com slash spring training. So it's been a little while. It's been about a week, but we wanted to, I wanted to talk about it a little bit on the show just because um, I think it can get overlooked, but the Suns have, I think, taken much better advantage of having a G League affiliate this year. We've seen them hire um, Dylan DeBusk, the former general manager, to more of a kind of two-sided role between the Phoenix and Northern Arizona franchises. We've seen them hire a new general manager in Jeff Feld to run the G League, the Northern Arizona team. And uh, Brett Burchard, who has been the coach there for a little while now, was retained despite so many other faces leaving, as, we, as we've covered extensively uh, in, the, in the Suns front office. So I went to Northern Arizona last Friday to catch a game. It just coincidentally happened to be right at the halfway point of their season, and they're on a little bit of a run. They've been playing much better in January here, but uh, especially with Tariq Owen signing the second two-way contract. Evan, just what did... How much do you think it matters that last year they really ignored the two-way thing in general? Juwan Evans was cut after getting the first one, never really came to Phoenix, and they didn't fill the second one. And this year signed Jared Harper right away to their first one, and right before the deadline on the 15th of January gave Tariq Owens the second slot. Does that Do you think that makes a difference, or kind of how do you think they'll – approach those guys and, and using that kind of flexibility on their roster. Yeah, what's interesting to me about that, and especially using a Harper and Owens and overall just the philosophy of how they're going about using their G League team right now, they definitely scout their college teams and a lot more often and more than I give them credit for because you look at guys in their team just right out of college most of the time and you also see some guys that are around the league a little bit, but I think this Northern Arizona Suns team is doing a lot better job of just finding talent that they like and trying to develop them up there and also seeing guys like Ty Jerome hopefully go down there more often. Elliot Kobo used it often a little bit last year as far as going up and down a little bit. But I like how they use it so far, and I think it makes sense for them to use it on Harper and Owens because I think it just shows us maybe they didn't use that slot, those slots last year, Brandon, because Jones and his staff didn't have a full – like recruiting time or not recruiting time so to say but scouting time to look at these prospects from the year year past yeah and the guys that they picked here jared harper a four-year college player at auburn who is a high iq player really runs they they run a lot of the same offense up there and harper really seems to have a grasp for it as the you know kind of ricky rubio devin booker playmaker role in the sun's offense and Tariq Owens, also a four-year college player. On a, these guys both also come from great teams who just made deep, deep NCAA tournament runs, not unlike Ty Jerome and Cam Johnson, although North Carolina did not. Their run was a little shorter, but it's all very much uh, the same types of guys. And so, you know, we've been I've been trying to focus a lot on how is the process different this year, even if forget what the results will be. I, I guess those those will be judged separately, but the process here seems to be a lot better. They're targeting guys that are similar to their draft picks, and uh, they're putting them in a system that's similar to what 
they will be running if and when they get to the Phoenix roster. So all of that stuff, I think, is is smart and, and logical. I just wonder here, Jared Harper has basically not been on the Phoenix roster at all. He got called up for Thanksgiving and Christmas. I don't even know if those days technically count for their 45 days that they're allowed to be with the NBA team on a two-way contract. And so, you know, with time kind of ticking away here, we're past the halfway point of the year. Tariq Owens told me that they haven't given him any sort of, uh, any sort of communication about how, if and when he will be up with Phoenix. Uh, that was a couple days after they had signed him, so maybe that's changed. But while I think the guys are, are logical fits here as the two-way players, I'm, I'm still wondering if they're really using that slot to the maximum value that they could, especially with how much injuries and all of that has, has hurt this roster lately. Yeah, it's interesting that they, like you mentioned, Harper hasn't been much up here at all like the two-way guys in the past like like george king i think they used his 45 days pretty fast and he went down to northern arizona for the rest of the season and then it's totally different philosophies there as far as how they went about doing that and uh, i think a player like harper maybe bring up around march or april but maybe they're just waiting until after the g league season ends i don't know how long the playoffs go till but uh, i think the, the regular season yeah. is around the march, g league season ends about a week and a half before the end of the nba season so if they did that those get those days don't count so they would be able to just come down here at that point and be part of the roster which i assume will happen i mean they'd have to like cut them or actively tell them not to be here but you know i don't know it just it's weird yeah yeah i definitely agree with you there and i think it will be intriguing to me as far as what they go about doing Harper and Owens because there really isn't much use for them right now on the roster. But if an injury does happen, do they call up or maybe multiple injuries? Do they call up a guy like Harper or call up an Owens instead of going to the outside looking in, especially if it, it's something were to happen before the deadline, so to say? I actually kind of disagree. I mean, at this point, with how much we've talked about those backup guards playing so poorly, why not give Harper a shot? Like, it couldn't hurt. They're not really getting anything. They're getting negatives out of those spots most nights. So that's the one to me that's been most puzzling he's I think seven straight games of 20 or more points which is a northern Arizona record he just broke Uh, he's just I mean he's he's too good for the G League right now I mean maybe he's sort of a fringe G League fringe NBA guy there's a lot of those that kind of circle around these leagues every year Um, but he's at least earned a shot to come up to Phoenix I think and be around this team and and be around Monty Williams and try to earn a shot at the Phoenix level because there's not much more he can do in the G League. So that would be one I think we could we would see him come up before we would see Owens come up. I don't really think Owens is ready for the physicality of the NBA. And you know, he I talked to Brett Burchard up there and he basically said like only recently has Owens started to perform at the level that they hoped for early in the season because everyone will remember he had injuries through summer league so didn't play there and was still recovering during training camp so that was interesting the other thing I I have one more bit of news and then uh, we I wanted to ask you a question that we were talking about last night after the game but both of these guys uh, Owens and Harper their two-way contracts are only for one season Uh, I don't think that had been out there before but I can say that for sure and that's interesting because the best way to use this is to have it as a two-year option because then you can have pretty much full control over these guys by converting them to regular roster spots. You have them in your building every day. You're able to use them for those 45 days as just an extra depth piece. 
So all of that, I think, would have been better, but teams less and less have been able to sign these guys, these anyone in, the, in a two-way contract across the league because of exactly that. Agents are starting to learn that teams have such control over them that it just doesn't make sense. So the, I, I, Jeff Siegel, who we've had on the show, sent me a list that it's been about, I think it was like in the 20s, the first year, three, two years ago, last year was maybe a dozen or so. And this year it's, it's single digit number of guys who have gotten two year, two way contracts. So the Suns aren't an exception there, but it is just noteworthy to, to point out. And then the question I wanted to ask you is why is Ty Jerome not in the G league right now? Yeah, I, I really don't know why, because we saw him play 12 minutes last night. And it was only because Cam Johnson was out and they're playing this weird three guard lineup and his pace were going small, of course, on the other side. So he had to match that a little bit, but he definitely does not look ready. He airballed his first two shots last night. I don't know if it's a mental thing now for Ty, but I think he just needs to have some time in the G League and have him regain his confidence a little bit, have him play against some competition that he could really do well against and, and try to boost himself up and try to maybe get back a spy after the All-Star break here. Yeah, it's like you said, they used it with Okobo and Melton last year, and I thought that was pretty smart. And so it's just been strange that Jerome hasn't gone up quite as much he did a little bit of a rehab run there prior to coming back from injury but hasn't been back to the G League since so I think with how just kind of physically overmatched he's looked I think getting some run against a little bit lesser competition would probably benefit him but maybe they just think they have to have him around for nights like uh, last night's game where kind of pressed into action all of a sudden so we will see, but a lot going on up there. You know, I get it if people aren't watching the games, but at least keep an eye on things because I think they're starting to understand the value of that that group and that organization. It's a beautiful facility, actually. It's it's way it's it's older, but not very used because it was like a minor league hockey team, and then it was just deserted for a while. So if you can make it up to a game, it's it's a ton of fun. I had a lot of fun, but. We're going to close the show with the main event, the Aaron Baines rumors that came out today. And if our minds have changed at all, if we think the Suns' minds have changed at all about dealing Baines after Mark Stein's report that a lot of teams are starting to look at him. But before we do that, just a quick reminder, if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all of our great advertisers working with our network to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked on Suns is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Suns fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On Podcasts give your local company the unique ability to reach very local listeners. That's not just any podcast listener, that's a dedicated Locked On podcast listener, meaning that if your company wants to connect with Suns fans who are mostly male, well-educated, a little bit of disposable income, then let's put your company right here on our podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. We've had a lot of success with companies like Homie in the past and the obviously Arizona Office of Tourism, who we told you about just a moment ago. So if that sounds like something you could benefit from, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know a little bit about who you are. Who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Again, that's advertising to 33777 or lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. All right, I'm going to stop talking because I've uh, <laughs> gone on for a while. What did you make, Evan, of the Aaron Baines, the most recent reports from Mark Stein this morning? 
Yeah, I found it interesting just because we've seen how valuable Aaron Baines is to this team off the court and on the court from a leadership and vocal standpoint. Defensively, I know it doesn't show advanced metrics-wise, but it's from an overall just knowing where to be on the court most of the time. Aaron Baines helps out with the guys, and when he's not there, I think just a significant loss compared to what they have right now at that spot as far as just knowing where to be and not making mistakes often, and Baines doesn't do that. But the reports today from Mark Stein talking about Aaron Baines was just this. I'll read the tweet verbatim here. Andre Drummond and Steven Adams are the big-name bigs available, but among the most intriguing is Aaron Baines. The Suns are not shopping Baines, league sources say. But they have also not ruled out moving him before the February 6th deadline if a team meets their trade trade price. So pretty much Stein is saying there that the Suns don't want to trade Baines, but if the offer comes about that they can't resist, they're going to take it. Does that sound right to you? That sounds exactly right to me. What I'm curious about that I was sort of sifting through when I wrote this up, which uh, will go up on Bright Side of the Sun probably uh, before people hear this, but who do you think that last bit came from because the Suns have been pretty tight-lipped even Stein who's usually a little more patient of a reporter and doesn't leap to any little spare whisper he hears even he hasn't gotten much from Phoenix really no one has since James Jones took over do you think that's his agent do you think that's a different team that's kind of hearing this from afar and, and gauging the waters that way it was interesting to me to hear that sounds like the kind of thing that the Suns might leak to say, hey, you're going to have to really blow us out of the water if you want this guy. But we haven't really seen them do that under James Jones to do that kind of like leveraging leak thing. Now, James Jones is the exact opposite of Ryan McDonough, and you and I know that for sure. And uh, as far as going about the how he interacts with the media and about how stuff leaks out or not, and yeah, the Suns have been very tight-lipped. The Tyler Johnson news came absolutely out of nowhere this time last year. Same goes with Kelly Oubre. I, I mean, I, we know we were going to trade Ariza, but before that, Woj Bonk count that they messed up that trade. We didn't know that was going to happen right at that time. And and also, just I think with James Jones, it just shows you that it's probably he's a smart guy. He doesn't want to, want to leak stuff out. And I think from Mark Stein's point of view, he probably did get that from an opposing team that was inquiring about Aaron Baines. Probably that's what Jones or someone in the Suns front office told him like, Hey, we're not interested in trading Baines, but Hey, if you meet our price, we'll definitely be interested. That sounds what sounds like to me. Yeah, I think that's probably right to go through. The Clippers are the team that he listed there. The tilt Clippers were the team that Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report originally linked to, wanting Baines all the way back in December that seems to have continued the Clippers don't have a lot obviously by way of having to trade for Paul George to get Kawhi Leonard over the summer they do have their first round picks in 2020 and 2021 they can really only trade one of those because of the Stepien rule that limits teams to only giving up every other year's first round pick but they have Detroit's 2021 and I believe 2023 second round picks but especially that 21 they're going to be pretty bad they seem to be bottoming out right now so that pick could be in the top five to ten of the second round that's a decent asset and they have a lot of young guys that aren't really needed over there Terrence Mann who I loved in this past draft I think he's going to be a good bench guard and Jerome Robinson who was that really high reach of a first round pick before the Mikhail Bridges trade in the 2018 draft. Those are kind of the three assets I was looking at, that Detroit pick, Mann and Robinson. 
does any combination of those guys do it for you when it comes to Baines? Like a, a good second and a kind of decent bench young player? Is that is that doing it for you for Baines? I think that kind of structure makes a lot of sense, to be honest. But um, I think if I were the Suns, and I actually did that trade right now on the trade NBA machine, and Robinson, man, in a second for Baines worked. So that does make a lot of sense there. But as far as Baines goes and his value, I, I do think the Suns are going to want a first-round pick. Not like a high first-round pick, but a team like the Clippers, so to say. If they're chasing a title and they desperately want to be a team that can match the Lakers and their size in a Western Conference Finals matchup, would you pay that first-round pick if you're the Clippers to beat the Lakers then go on to the Finals to have a chance to maybe win a title? I think that's maybe an aspect that the Suns maybe want to pry out of the Clippers there as far as a negotiate, negotiating standpoint. I think maybe you can pull off some like a, a 2020 first-round pick with, let's say, just like a, a guy that's really not in their rotation, like a Rodney Magruder. Do you think that makes sense? I think that's what the Suns should shoot for, for sure, is to, if the Clippers start with, maybe they, you know, just for, to play through the negotiations, like the Clippers start with their own second round pick and the Suns say, okay, that's going to be a player who never touches an NBA floor. So we're not going to do that for a, a starting caliber type of center or high level backup in Baines. And then the Clippers say, okay, well, how about we have these Detroit seconds next year? Would that do it for you? We have Terrence Mann and the Suns say, oh, how about your first round pick? Like, I think that's how it should go. And the Suns should probably try their hardest to hold out for a first. Uh, the problem to me, a couple, couple problems here. One, this isn't the Clippers top priority. I think Zach Lowe and others, even Stein in the original tweet, acknowledge that the Clippers also want a a playable like crunch time type of wing to help them match teams like the Lakers, Bucks, Sixers, Raptors, those those other top teams have a lot more depth on the wing than they do. So that's probably where you're going to need to look to use your first if you're LA. The other thing is what other team can the Suns use to get that first round pick from the Clippers? They have to have leverage from somewhere else to say, oh, such and such team is willing to give us a first. So you're going to have to do that if you want him. We like Mann or we like Robinson or we like Magruder, but we want to get a first. We're not going to give him up for a a decent second like you have. Uh, Give us your own first round pick. Like, I don't know where else that's coming from because I don't just... We haven't heard another team every time Baines' name's name has come up. It's been the Clippers, and I don't see another team that's in a hurry to acquire him. I just there's not a lot of teams except for the Celtics who I just couldn't see reacquiring him right after trading him. Uh, except for them, I don't really see another team that's a backup type of center away from feeling good about their about themselves. I just I don't know who else it would be. Do you have any ideas? What do you think about a team like Milwaukee? I thought about them because uh, he can shoot, and I think that's pretty much a necessity to at least be willing to take threes for their bigs. But they they have both of the Lopez brothers on oh, that's decent true. contracts, yeah. so they don't need a third guy, you know? Yeah, very true. Yeah, I'm looking around at the rosters right now. Miami, they have Olenek, and I don't see that making sense. Maybe Toronto, but they have Ibaka. And they have Gasol. Yeah. yeah. Um, looking around here real quickly. Yeah, no one so, else in the East there. Yeah, if you don't see anyone, the other thing I was going to bring up would be uh, I wrote about the Hornets when Devontae Graham's little explosion came along early in, earlier in the year, and I loved P.J. Washington in the draft, and he had a strong start to his rookie season, just about their young core, and I it was the first time I had really thought about what they might do because they have some, some considerable cap space this summer, and I thought Baines would be a fit there. So I'm curious if a team 
like that that wants to get out ahead of his free agency and acquire him early, kind of like what we thought the Suns might be doing, if they would do that. We don't see those types of trades often anymore to go acquire basically a a player's bird rights and and an expiring contract for a guy you want to try to re-sign. That that doesn't really happen uh, as often as we all expect it to in in the trade deadline, but that could be the only other thing I would see. If it's not a contender, I could see a younger team who has their eyes on him as a free agent acquisition to say maybe if we trade for him, then our relationship with him and, and his bird rights, maybe we can get a little bit of a discount for him in the summer. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that point. And two more teams that I just thought of off the cuff there that maybe makes sense. And th- that's Houston. Uh, maybe they need like a stretch big who could help them out there. That Capella, of course, but... They obviously like guys who shoot threes, and I don't think Tyson Chandler is really going to be a guy who could play much in the playoffs, and Baines definitely could. And another team also is Dallas. I think they can make a lot of sense. Dallas. Yeah, Dallas is the one, I think, the other one. that That's a good point that I had forgotten about, especially with Dwight Powell rupturing his Achilles this week. They're they're working out Joakim Noah, so they're they're desperate. And they don't have a ton of picks either because of the Porzingis trade, but you know, the desperation, I think, could act as its own form of leverage to get a little more from Dallas than someone else. So uh, I think there are teams. I just don't know if anybody's desperate for Baines. And maybe that changes as they get closer to the deadline. But I think it's smart. I think it's a smart stance from the Suns right now to say, we're not closing the door on it, but you're really going to have to blow us away here because this is a guy we really value. This is a hypothetical trade that I just thought of just because you mentioned the Dwight Powell injury. Do you think the Mavericks would trade Seth Curry for Aaron Baines straight up? I, I I don't even know how much Curry's been playing for them, but I think he proved in the playoffs last year that he can he can make a difference. He's the type of guy the Suns really need off that bench. He's the type of guy the Suns really need, but I think he's kind of the type of guy every team would need. I, if he's not high on their rotation, I think maybe with just – how much of a role Powell was playing and the need to replace his production and his minutes. But uh, I think Curry might be a little too valuable. He's a little younger and he's on a longer term deal. I think they signed him to a two or three year deal this summer. So that's a little more valuable than Baines who's expiring. I think the Suns might actually have to put more into that deal, to be honest with you, if they wanted to do it. Real quick before we end the show here, um, just to mention the first 10 games of the year, Aaron Baines shot 50% on threes on 4.4 tennis per game. Since then, he's only shot 24.4% on 3.6. So that regression really hit for Aaron Baines, and maybe that tense his value a little bit. And I think his hips are a legit problem right now. Yeah. He's had injuries to both sides of his hip, whatever whatever that means, this year, and now has missed almost a, about a week with the left hip problem that he's dealing with now so that's not going away we know he's a guy that plays physically that was overextended from a minutes perspective early in the year played all through the summer didn't get a break and is over 30 far past 30 years old so um i think that's that's a concern and if teams do their digging there and talk to this son's front office and get an impression that he's a guy who's dealing with something physically, then maybe all this fizzles out, you know, quicker than we think. Real quickly, this just just came out here from Suns PR. Cam Johnson is out for tomorrow's game against the Spurs with his quad contusion. Aaron Baines with his hip soreness is doubtful, so he'll probably be out too. Not what you want to do when you're going to San Antonio the Memphis this weekend. <laughs> Not at all, but uh, I think we I expected Baines to continue to miss time. Cam being out will will be a problem, but 
Uh, hopefully this hopefully Baines can play and at least put it in consideration for the Suns because I think there could be a deal there and either way you know if they don't trade him you at least want him on the court but him being injured and not helping you and not being tradable is about the worst case scenario definitely agree with you there is there anything else you want to hit on as far as the Baines news goes uh no I think that that closes us up we're only two weeks away from the deadline so we'll start to hear more and more rumors I think soon yeah definitely it's going to be a very fun one I think the Suns are going to be active for sure so make sure to follow along with us throughout the trade deadline throughout the season here on Locked On Suns I'll do for today's episode guys appreciate everyone listening and as always we'll be back to you guys tomorrow for next episode